What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. We've got a great one for you today. Kevin, as usual, we've got the Coggin toboggan on right away. And then Ann San Filippo to break down game six of the NLCS. What a win. What a win yesterday. What a win on uh, on Saturday for the Phils. Uh, But the Eagles right now, the defense was so good. They were so good that I got to come up with a catchy right-wing conspiracy uh, slogan for Sean Desai now. Um, and I got to admit, I was a little bit nervous. It didn't feel like 31-17. Hurts' last three turnovers, I'll say it, looked a little Wentzian, if I do may say. They did. I mean, I thought we were looking at another QB that was uh, getting paid and turning into an absolute pumpkin. But a win is a win is a win. Let's bring on Kevin Kincaid. And let's bring on the Coggin. Fellas, victory Monday. The boys. Does this make up for last week's loss? 610-632. Well, fuck you then. I'm sorry. Did I go go straight sports radio? My fault. No, Um, I'm feeling good, man. I got my phone on mute. Um, The vibes are good. I think if we had... If we had the, the vibes guy from Temple back on the show, Jason, uh, he would tell you that the vibes are are very good after a, a Phillies and uh, Eagles twofer, you know, especially after the uh, Craig Kimbrell special of the, of the other night, you know. Funny how we go from from here to here very quickly in this town, you know. But I felt good about it. I, did, I didn't like I didn't like people coming into this one, you know, acting like Miami was. Uh, you know the two the two thousand one St. Louis Rams, right? You know, uh, I, I didn't. They haven't beaten anyone. <laughs> True. They have not beaten anyone. True. They're five and one though. You know. What type of a fan does it make me that they won, and then one of the first things I thought about was if they had just beaten the Jets last week it would have been even better what kind of fan does that mean does that uh, did did anyone else have that thought like you you were angry because they're like could they not have done that last week (laughs) shouldn't we always strive for perfect for perfection cog i agree i absolutely agree yeah, you get mad after the win because your only thought is like, oh shit, they really should be undefeated. But it's you the know? same. It's the same thing with the Phillies. Like, I'm happy they won on Saturday, but it's like right. all I needed was Craig Kimball to show up one time, and mm. we're waiting, you know, days for Texas and Houston to uh, to figure it out. And our in our uh, pitching yeah. staff yeah. is uh, is light, and they're good. They're not wild takes. I mean, yes, they should have. Um, rode out a five to two lead against the Diamondbacks to completion. And yes, they probably should have put the Jets away in New York, right? It's not like we're asking something uh you know that's not doable of them, right? So I think you're certainly justified in feeling that way. I just think I think people get de- like people get like uh it's like a slippery slope, you know what I'm saying? Like even when the Phillies lost the other night, it was like, well it's it's I saw people saying, oh they're cooked now. I'm like, well, it's it's two two. You know what I mean? Like the series is, you know, now it's a three game series and they got two games at home and they got Wheeler and Nola coming up. So yeah, I mean, I still felt good about that regardless. I felt good about the Eagles too, because I'm I'm sitting there saying to myself, I don't think they're gonna turn the ball over four times at home against Miami. No, I turned it over twice. Okay, so they cut them in half, cut the turnovers in half, but I don't know. I felt I felt all right going into it. I feel good with where they are. Yeah. I want to ask you this question, and whoever wants to go first can go first. And it, and I'm putting you on the spot, but like who is good in the NFL right now? It's a good question. 
Like who who is good? Who is like the Chiefs? The Chiefs. The Chiefs, Chiefs are very good. The yeah. Chiefs are. I mean, I, I think anyone with eyes can see that they're probably right now the best team in the NFL. Overall, yeah. probably the best team in the NFL. That's. I mean, who else in the AFC are you really looking at and thinking that can do anything? I guess it was it was Miami. I guess. And it was the Lions. Yeah, it was the Lions too. (laughs) You're right. Well, yeah, I would ask if. uh, Yeah, I mean, you ask if is anybody does anybody believe in the Ravens? You know, they're five and two, plastered the shit out of the Lions. I mean, the Niners are going to be six and one after tonight, right? I mean, unless you know Kirk Cousins pulls out a pulls out a miracle here, but yeah, it's crazy to think too because I feel like we just pick up where we left off not last week but the week before. With the Eagles, where it's like, well, you know, again, we have concerns about Hurts and about the offense or whatever as they improve to six and one, you know. But I'm finally glad. I, I I hate to say this, but it sounds weird to say this, but I'm glad that we finally got some kind of some some kind of public acknowledgement about something hobbling him, because yeah. we we okay, so we it's like it's like when we have some conspiracy theory and then you finally get a little bit of like something on it. It says, okay, we got we got something here. You know what I mean? So then I can get it out of my head and I stop saying to myself, what the fuck is wrong? Something looks like it's wrong with him, you yeah. know? And, and then we were talking this- about that after the commanders game that we were like, definitely something looks yeah. wrong. And then he runs the ball 15 times in the Rams game and he looks amazing. Looks he doesn't look as fast against the Jets last week. Yeah. And then he comes down the press conference after the game and he answers like he gave like four answers, and I think they might have been six words in those four answers. Like, yeah, it's I'm nervous, and I wrote after the I wrote after the uh, after the game that he was he was gutting out a brutal leg injury, and people were not happy that I was calling it a brutal leg injury. It's probably <laughs> a knee sprain, which is funny because uh, I mean, there's never been a knee sprain that's kept a, a prominent Philly athlete out of a game before, I'm sure. <laughs> so, like, I don't understand how yeah. we're just looking at this and being like, "Up, oh, knee sprain, we won, get over it," blah blah blah. No, he was cu- like Mike Garofalo has that video of him coming off of the halftime, or not halftime, coming off of the post game um, interview, and he's like legitimately wincing, like it looks like it hurts for him to carry on his lower left leg right now. Like I'm, I'm nervous. Like th- this team goes as Jalen Hurts goes. That defense is amazing. I don't think anyone believes in Marcus Mariota. I know people don't definitely don't believe in Tanner McKay. Like this is QB one. He's an absolute dog that he was able to play the way he performed after putting on a knee brace in the second half. But we're going to be looking at the the knee injury for the rest of the year. It's not going to get better. So wait, did we when when did the confirmation of the brace take place? Because because what I going back to the beginning it was the third and fourth scramble. He's going to the sticks right and he looks like he doesn't look like he's slowing down it looks like he's pulling up mm-hmm. i'm sitting there saying to myself that that didn't look right that definitely did not look right there was definitely something there it almost looked uh, like a hamstring or something with the way yeah. he that when he got to the sideline like you said he absolutely looked like he pulled up it looks yeah. like it bugs him more laterally when he's doing those lateral runs sideline to sideline he looks a step slower than he did i don't Straight think forward, he-, he seems okay I, I would say this. I agree with that, but I would take it one step further. I think it's when he has to make like the when he has to like open it up laterally. Because I think I think he came back on the play. Was it the play after Cog or the one like two after that, where then he kept the play alive and he kind of got out of the pocket? Yeah. He's doing okay, like being elusive and like like being evasive in the pocket. 
but yeah, it's like when he has to step up and then like plant and go, that, that's where, that's where it pops up to me. The one spot that I looked back at again was the first red zone trip where they ran that like bullshit QB power or whatever that was off to the right. And he didn't even get back to the line of scrimmage. He and fell that, down. Like he was like a life alert. Like your grandmother fell down. Like it was a sad fall, yeah. but there was no like burst. There was no push. There was no cut. Like he was not able to like plant and turn and go upfield. And it looked like he had some room to go there. So I, I agree with Cog. And I think it's like more shows itself though, when he has to like plant and like open up, I don't know if that makes any sense or, or like, you know, pu- push down and like, like put pressure on that leg or something. That's where it seems to. So let me go back to the original thing I was asking. Cause he, he, he's late coming out of halftime. You got a hundred beat reporters that are sitting up there mm-hmm. in the thing. The broadcast didn't mention it at all, but you had like, it seemed like people couldn't figure out if he was wearing the brace or not. Elliot's saying he's got binoculars looking through the glass and trying to figure out if the damn brace is on. Some people are saying he had and some people were saying he didn't. So did he come off the field? And was there ever like official confirmation from the team that he was wearing? What I heard was Marcus Mariota was in the offensive huddle, like ready to take the the snaps coming out of second half. And then Jalen Hurts came out and put his ass back to the bench. Yeah. Um, That was from people who were there who said they saw that. Um, how many we need to get. I need work? to go. I need to go through like the images here on like our photo service and compare and do like a side by side second half, first half hurts leg, and we'll see if we can find any any bulge coming out of the uh, the pants. Not that kind of bulge, but um, you know, so like lower. Leg. I'll put I'll put Craig to uh, to work here for the first time. Um, go to Elliot Shore Parks's Twitter, and uh, he is a good interview with uh, Marcus Mariota that kind of came you know went under wraps uh and he was asking uh Mariota about how uh how he was uh preparing to to, to play and everything and he kind of gets him caught in a question and Mariota weasels his way out of it actually pretty well it's it's a nice little reporter versus uh athlete you know uh, uh kind of uh better than any John Clark Nick Cassiano's interview I've seen uh, so, yeah, but he does have his like socks kind of pulled pulled up here over the knee and it's hard to see if there's anything there it looks like the top part of the brace well he, he confirmed it in the post game that he was wearing a brace yeah. right but i just I'm, i wonder why the like the surely the broadcast would have somebody would have tipped them off to it and said and and said well, not not just the mariota thing but yeah it hurts is out here doing something different like didn't they have the side they had the sideline reporter down there are you so, giving you know, mike tarico and chris collinsworth too much credit that's <laughs> I don't know. They got they got stuff relayed to them though. You know what I mean? Like there's a producer sitting back there who's like following the stuff, scanning the stuff. They got the sideline reporter. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name. I, I apologize. Feel like there was a sideline reporter who uh who who had a, a little thing coming off the uh out of the out of the second half. It's it's just weird. It's like, how are they gonna manage it? Like AJ Brown had that well, quote after the game where it was like, I'm not gonna put his personal business out there. Um It doesn't seem it doesn't seem like they're trying to manage it at all, because from from all accounts, it seems like this has been a couple game thing. And from what we've seen, it looks like it's it's been hampering him for a few games. So why are they still running these like horseshit QB draws in the red zone? Like, why are you opening him up when you know that he's hobbled? He can't get the same burst that he did. Why are you running these draws nonstop in the red zone where he's going to get hit every time he gets hit and it's not effective? Why do you still insist on doing uh, on that type of a red zone package? 
I don't get it. That that's been my main complaint, and that was my main complaint from last night. I thought it was I atrocious. I think that's probably why that's probably linked to all of it, though, why they don't want anything getting out publicly about it, because they don't want other teams to kind of know that, like, yeah, our, we're, we have limitations in that part of our game. You know, um, well, oftentimes I think that's bullshit. It's like because teams kind of know what's going on. Everybody scouts everything. Everybody's got intelligence on everybody. Everybody kind of knows what's going on. But um you know, I mean, surely if they if they know that like he's not 100 percent running the ball, he's carrying something that even if it's not a serious thing, makes him uncomfortable or limits him in that game, then it make then it takes away an element of the offense for sure. It does. All right. I'm sorry, Craig. Go ahead and play that if you want. No, that's not the right one. I'll find it. Oh my I, god. I mean, I Craig agree. makes two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I mean, Jesus Christ. Oh, does he even know who what Marcus Marietta looks like? There's no chance. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Kevin, that, yeah, they don't want people to know. They don't, you know, they want to still say, like, hey, look, here's the threat. But you know, I keep going back to that first red zone drive where they had to settle for a field goal. You yeah. ran three plays from the 10. You ran that QB sweep, whatever the fuck you want to call it, where he just laid down on the turf <laughs> to not yeah. take a hit. You ran an inside run with Gainwell that went for a yard. Yeah. And then you tried to run another QB draw. Like, I don't know if they're trying to set it up. So, you know, they're classic, like, let's get it close on fourth down. Let's just play to get it close on fourth down and then go forward on fourth down. But like, yeah, like you can still show it. You can still be like, okay, we're going to do it. But you also have to sort of mix in something else with your skill players. Like mm-hmm. you've got Goddard, you've got Brown. You saw what happens when you throw it to both of them in the red zone. You have a hell of a lot more uh, uh, success than you do with running. Gain- I, yeah, Gainwell did have the touchdown at the end, but I, I just don't get it. I don't get where their head is at when it comes to some of these play selections. We're never going to get the real story until Jeff McLean writes it at the end of the season. And it's going to be someone. It's either the Eagles are going to go to the Super Bowl, they're going to go, or they're going to lose in the NFC Championship. Someone's going to heads going to roll. It might be Brian Johnson, depending on how it goes, and we'll get the whole Jeff McLean thing from you know Howie or Nick or somebody else, and that's how we'll figure it out, and we'll put blame on somebody. Like I, I just, I know they can't come out and be like, "Hey, I'm calling plays. You're calling plays. He, she's calling plays." But like, I need to know what happened in that first drive. Like, why was those three play? Why were those three plays called in that red zone? And then why was the red zone plays totally different? Like you were just saying, God, like it makes zero yeah. sense that I that play yeah. Well, and I like how they scored on the Dallas Goddard's. Uh, like it was well, it was a screen, yeah, but it was like yeah. a wide screen, yeah, almost mm-hmm. like a bubble screen, right? But like they were on the nineteen. So yeah, technically it was a red zone touchdown, well, like as close to the fucking border as it could have been, you know. But I think like it's it's funny. I, th- I do think the. Film is out a little bit on that Jalen Hurts QB draw in the red zone. I mean, they ran, remember when they ran it against the Colts last year and they just mm-hmm. totally gashed him, man. It was awesome. And they've run variations of it before where they run it out of empty set where nobody's there and they run it out of like a, like a 11 personnel where the tight end is, is wide and they just have the, the running back with them where he takes a snap and then the like Gainwell or Swift or, or Miles Sanders last year just be the blocker. Yeah. Right. And I wonder if like teams just like respect that now or, or know that that's coming. And that's why, and that goes to what Cog was saying. Well, both of you guys are saying where it's more about it's not even about the red zone play calling to me, like like singular plays in a vacuum. It's almost like the sequencing. Like, what are we doing on first down here to get us to second down? And then what is second down doing to get us to third down? Because like on that first drive, they didn't get anywhere. You know, they got like one yard forward and yet it seemed like they were going to continue with what they were doing. I mean, maybe if you're running, maybe if you get at least two or three yards on the first couple plays, 
it makes that that you know empty set draw or or you know 11 personnel draw more feasible you know but it's almost like they don't know how to stack it up like on top of each other they did say on the broadcast that bradley chubb was spying them all game so they definitely had a spy on him and i'm yeah. sure they have one in the red zone too where it goes back to that qb draw um all right a little bit too much complaining right now because they did score 31 points they had the opportunity to score 38 i really feel bad for anyone who had the over last night as uh as they're kneeling the ball out on the six with uh with only three 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 and a half in the hook if you got it at 51 and a half um to go there but hey that's football we did that over under there. move though throughout the week like did you see it move, moving i saw I, think- it, I saw it clear at 51 to 51 and a half cogs the gambling guy i don't know if he was on it I can tell you, uh, you know, what sports betting bills are going to be legalized in what states, but I do not remember what it opened at total wise and yeah. what it ended up at. I, I don't I I'm not like other people we know where I bet on the Eagles. I don't like betting on a game the Eagles are playing in. I, I think I can't separate the wins and losses, the sports betting wins and losses with the wins and losses on the field. I just can't do it. So like you would never win. bet on the other team in case the Eagles no. lose. You no. still have money in your pocket. No, never. And and then and then on the flip side, if I bet on the Eagles and they win, but they don't cover, I'm like, God damn it, they didn't cover. It it takes the win, takes something away from the win for me. <laughs> I never do it ever. I give you credit for that, man. I think we're the opposite. Well, I don't know if Kyle is, but like I always do the emotional hedge because I'm like, I just want to guarantee a win here. You know, I've made more money betting against West Virginia than anybody over the last like, however, you know, many. Just because it's like, yeah. But I, I, the reason I was asking is because I. It seemed like people were pounding the over just because they thought it was going to be a high-scoring game. And you look at, like, all the dudes who are missing in this game. When the Eagles came in with, like, n- missing, like, 60% of their secondary and nickel that started, at the, that started at the beginning of the year. To me, that's what made it even more impressive. I mean, what the defensive line was able to do. And Joe Shad will tell you all about the injuries on the, the Dolphins' offensive line. But it's not like the Eagles rolled out a, rolled out a perfectly healthy, healthy team either. So, I mean, you can... I thought that was a wash. You can talk about 10 penalties to zero penalties. There was shit that the Eagles did that they didn't get flagged for. But again, like the Jalen Hurts like pick six. I was like, all right, ball doesn't lie. Right. So they yeah. got it, they got, you know, some some uh kismet there for the the non-face mask call on the Tyreek Hill drop touchdown. But I, I take all that stuff away. Put as many asterisks on it as you want. I mean, the Eagles were the better team, man. The defense was awesome. Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat were just blowing up everything on the edges. Mm-hmm. Like getting getting vertical there because Miami runs a lot of that shit, that sideways shit where they like to get out to the boundaries, those crack tosses and little like flip plays and stuff like that. I thought they were awesome, man. That's two weeks in a row where Sean Desai's guys were were baller. You know, ten points this week really probably should have been seventeen if Tyreek Hill caught that pass. But still, I mean, if I told you guys going into the game that they would have held Miami to seventeen, mm-hmm. still, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, my God, so. I don't know. You're right, though, man. We got to come up with something for decide. We can't do Q. We got Q Ganon. Maybe I'll Google right wing conspiracy theories. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, please get on that. Maybe like some Illuminati with like an eye, the eye of decide or something like yeah. that. Oh, the eye of decide. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, because like the you know, the triangular Illuminati. Yeah. Pier- yeah, I like that. We can get Sean to decide to throw up the rock. You know. <laughs> 
in the middle of a game, then yeah. all the Illuminati conspiracy theory people can switch from Taylor Swift to now oh, Sean Desai. I have Desai. Yeah, we got to get do like a T-shirt for that, with like the Illuminati period or something. Not the not the diamond cutter like Diamond Dallas Page, but the uh, you could uh, you could do something on like the old Revis Island, like uh, the old like the uh, Darius Slay. You're leaving him on Epstein's island. Um, <laughs> man, Bob that, that's on- a shirt. That'd be a good shirt. Before Island, just Epstein Island with the face with Darius Slay's face on it. I think oh that'd be a God. big seller. I think people why don't the Dolphins just throw to Tyreek Hill every single time? Like <laughs> you like I don't watch a ton of Miami games. I probably see more Tyreek Hill highlights, though. That man is uncoverable. Like you always just see his touchdowns. Like even his like 10 yard slants or he's going through the middle. There's nobody ever around him. And then he just like, he scoots too. Like, he's just like, he looks like he's impossible to bring down. Cause he's so small. He is like, you know how like guys like on the, on the broadcast, like you're like, all right, you know, they're fast. We know blah, 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 but it doesn't do it justice on the broadcast on the broadcast. That man is fast. Like I don't even imagine what he is in real life. Um, he split that pathetic double team from Edmonds like it was nothing like Edmonds was supposed to be comfortably over the top and he just fucking left him in the dust for just the easiest touchdown you get and when and when I don't know if you guys thought this too but when Tua let it go I was like that's over his head and then he just accelerated and (laughs) caught it like nothing nothing he's so good man and he was digging he did like a lot of what he did with that waddle even on the field because waddle didn't come back until like the end of the third right i mean when i heard his name called on that catch at the end i was like oh shit i didn't even know he was he was back in the game i'm looking up conspiracy theories now some of them are pretty bad i don't even think i should bring them up but like stuff that rhymes with decide the big lie Mm, okay big decide right with the election denial by uh donald trump yeah um yeah by decide yeah, the big lie. The, the I don't know. Q, nothing's gonna be Q Gan on though. You know Mm-mm. what else is here? Pizza Gate. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can do anything with Pizza Gate. Yeah. Oh, that's. No. I'm not even gonna mention that. There's a lot of like shootings in here that people didn't think happened. The moon yeah. landing. I mean, we get a moon landing. Like a like a think of a think of a word that means moon or something like that. All right. Well, we'll work on that later. But um, yeah, we'll keep, we'll keep I, your profile on that. Yeah. What do you I, want? I, I, I did want to mention real quick. I, I'm glad that Sirianni came out and said what he said about the shove after the game. Yes. Oh, that's a great segue. I want to talk about that too. Go oh, off. very good. Yes. Okay. Because I, I just, it's like he's echoing. First of all, he's echoing the same thing that most fans have said from the beginning, right? You know, if it was such an unstoppable play, then everybody would run it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Giants ran it and injured two of their guys. The Colts tried running it and they couldn't do it with Anthony Richardson. Um, they, Did you hear Tarico yesterday say that uh, the Raiders ran it and somebody the Raider I forget who the Raiders were playing, um, but they were like, yeah, they also got injured. I was like, oh, that's cool, Tarico. Way to way to bring that one up on the broadcast. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. Well, and Dallas ran it and they got zero yards. And it's like D- Dak is not a small guy, right? I mean, like he's he's pretty built, like he's pretty athletic. So, I, I you know, again, it's like I, I I agree with people who say that even if they took the pushing part out of it, that the Eagles would probably still convert most of the time. Because I think mm-hmm. that's the I think the element that makes it work more than anything is just the line and and Jalen, right? It, I mean, like, how how do you even measure that anyway? Though it's like it's a non quantifiable thing. It's like how do I know how hard these guys are pushing or whether the push was was going to be, you know, how how much percent of that with the first down was because of the push versus like hurts thighs or something. You know what I'm saying? It's just so funny to see Dolphins reporters 
bitch about it because they had the wildcat offense and they were the one who were so good at the wildcat adopted yep. it and benefited from it and and ran it better than than anyone else but the only problem was the nfl caught up to it so people stopped using it like if the wildcat was still unstoppable don't you think the dolphins would still be running it like so it's funny when like the the joe shad that guy who, who just can't stop tweeting about the tush push yeah. says he hates it and it's not really a football play when craig i got this in the dock the first video recording of a football game between yale and princeton it looks like they're running <laughs> the brotherly shove Come on. Uh, <laughs> that's really the first recorded football game of all time, and they're legitimately running the brotherly shove. Oh so God, what is more of a football play than the brotherly shove? It's an homage. Come on, to old-timey football. Let's go. Well, and here's the thing, too. I mean, there's nothing – there's rule books. The, the rule book has a million different things on how you can line up and where you can stand and what's legal and what's not legal, like formation and proceed, pro, formationally and procedurally – but there's nothing in there. There's never been a definition of what is a football play. Well, like that's the first thing I would ask Peter King and the first thing I would ask Joe Shad if, if we ever had him on here or something. I'd be like, how would you define a football play? Are two flea flickers back to the quarterback throw a bomb? Is that a football play? Like, I don't like a yeah. hook and ladder. Is that a football play? Like, is um, Tom Brady lunging forward any more of a fo football play than having two guys behind him? That, that's what I'm saying. Like the delineation between these two things. This is Shad saying it for people who are listening on the audio feed. He said he tweeted, the tush push is not a legitimate football play. It's not how football was meant to be played. It's also lame and can cause injuries. Nobody except Eagles fans will miss it once it's banned in the offseason. You know what else can cause injuries? Just running a fucking crossing pattern where two guys – clobbered each other david long that that was a storyline that i don't think that i think was underrated i'm not just saying that because david long's a west virginia guy he was playing really well in that game when they collided with each other he went into concussion protocol and he didn't come out and coincidentally or not coincidentally the eagles marched all the way down the field like 85 yards on that drive which by the way it was a very impressive response from jalen mm -hmm. after throwing the pick six for him to march march him down the field i think he went five for six on that on that thing but anyway i'm sorry back to the the shove I, I think once you start opening things up about, oh, this is like because the way that they're going to ban it and how everyone has said it is that it's going to be, oh, it's play that causes too many injuries. If, if you start looking at plays and things in football that cause too many injuries, you're opening up an entire can of worms. You could open up an entire can of worms for the league. You know what else causes a lot of injuries? Like you said, Kev, like the crossing patterns cause a lot of injuries. Cuba, are we going to ban quarterbacks? from scrambling past the line of scrimmage. Like Anthony Richardson got his brain scrambled on a, a horrible concussion early in their year because Steichen had him running the ball, you know, 10 times a game. Uh, he, he fucked up his shoulder. Lamar Jackson has fucked up his knees by scrambling so much. Like, is, is that what it's going to come to? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense when, you know, a, a couple uh, uh, linemen have gotten hurt you know, from this one play when, you know, these high, they do everything and they possibly can to protect the quarterback. So why are we going to keep, why are we going to keep letting them scramble past the line of scrimmage? They get hurt so much doing it. It's not, a, it's not a football play either. You're supposed to hand it off. You're supposed to throw it. Like, right, right, right. It just, it, the whole thing is nonsense to me. It, 
Well, I was just going to say like a final point on that. I, I, I think if, if you're going to say like I, I presumably I think what the NFL is going to look at is like close quarters. These dudes lunging like people getting piled on top on, on top of each other and like shoulders and legs and stuff. like that. OK, if you get rid of the pushing element of that, is is the is a regular QB sneak any safer? I mean, you're not removing the same elements, right? I mean, it's like bodies in a pile, dudes laying on top of each other. So I don't know what degree of of safer it is to to just go from the shove to a regular quarterback sneak. I mean, because inherently they're but they both had the same mm-hmm. like like was model, a, right? Uh, yeah. Was it a football play when Brady would run to the line and run a sneak, and you know for for the main purpose of getting a five yard penalty because there are too many men on the field. How many times did he do that in his career? Yeah. yeah. And people, oh, he's such a smart player. Is a hard count a football play? A yeah, hard count is not a fucking play. football play. We should just do that's actually a good idea. I'm going to write these down. It's a good idea for a story, for a post. What go. is not a football play? A hard count, a QB sneak, flea uh, flicker, fake punt. I don't, I don't, you know, it's fake like the wildcat by the way the wildcat was the dumbest shit ever i cuz uh, i remember when pat white was drafted like time. the way the wildcat was awesome no the wildcat was stupid because okay. because they drafted pat white and somebody on the nfl draft panel said well this is great cuz now you have a wildcat who can throw the ball well no fucking shit he's a quarterback it's called a quarterback <laughs> right so like eventually it was just going to be like you, put you know, pat up. white was revolutionary man like we didn't ever saw a guy like pat white like there weren't like <laughs> pat white was like like that white walk so Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson could run. Uh, well, it's, uh, yeah, I just wish he had. He was just too small for the NFL, though. I remember he got he got hit really, really hard on a play. I think they were playing against the Steelers or something like that. And he was like diving for the pylon. He got knocked, like completely knocked unconscious. I was like, shit. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna work for him. But, uh, but yeah, who runs the who runs the Wildcat anymore? Nobody. Nobody runs. It, it died the day Ronnie Brown tried to throw it over his head. <laughs> That's the day the Wildcats. Just had Tim Tebow do it. You know he yeah, could have done the day that. The music right? died. Hey, what are we going to do about Jason Kelsey and Landon Dickerson keep getting flagged uh, because the refs can't decide? You know who is who on the line. Like, does Jason Kelsey have to like differentiate himself some way? Like, get him a red armband gotta, for like Red he's October. Gotta start, like waving his hand. Yeah, like, this is my hand. This is my hand. That's insane. <laughs> that two weeks in a row that's happened. Yeah. Where a ref incorrectly identified what hand is on the ground. That's crazy There's, that they can't they, figure that I out. I think Bob said this. There's regulated betting markets, and the refs can't even decide and know whose hand is actually on the ground. You should have to check his hand in as eligible, like the receivers do when they look at the sideline. They're like, This is my left hand. I'm putting I'm putting it there. But I I I, I, I think the, the devil's advocate side of the argument, they get up to the line so quick. That these these dudes are probably just like looking at a mass of of limbs trying to figure out what's what's going on. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of why they would mess it up. You know, he should go. You know what he should do? He should wear wristbands. Go to eat. Go to the ref before the game. Be like, I'm wearing two <laughs> red wristbands. Yeah. Look for these. These are my hands. These are no one else's hands. Yeah. Do something to be like. This is my hand. This is nobody else's hand but mine. And in and that the, picture that you're showing right there, it's pretty goddamn clear that it's his arm right there. It's pretty clear to me. That'd be hilarious. Like, he wears the wristbands and then gets $15,000 fine from the NFL for being <laughs> yeah. out of uniform because that's what would happen. True. Yeah. Dude, find something. Be like, here's some red tape. 
here's a smiley sticker on my hand, on my wrist. <laughs> yeah. Jalen's got the green dot. He's got the smiley Walmart sticker on his helmet. Exactly. I just don't like, you know, I don't like people like Shad saying that they're like cheaters, calling them cheaters in a tweet. If you don't like the play, you don't like the play. If they're running it down your throat, they're running it down your throat. Okay, but don't call them cheaters. They're not doing anything that's illegal. If they were doing something illegal, it would it would be flagged, you know? So that's that's the part about it that I don't like. I mean, like, if you want to make an argument, make an argument that falls within, like, the, the framework of something that you can, you know, justify, but... It just seems it's the like, same people who got mad at Bryce Harper for being a dirty player after he hit Gabriel Marino because Marino got got caught up the line and he had nowhere to go. That was like, the that most was, thing. I mean, the same thing with Matt Olson running into him in at first first base in the Braves series, where it was yeah. just, there was a throw that kind of took him into the path. You know, so that was I don't know. That was a nothing burger. I'm just going through the list of. Uh, I do want to say this real quick. Do, um, Kelly Green was cool. Um, I just I think the gray looks like ass though. Doesn't the really? gray, the gray looks old to me? It looks like hmm. like 1980. I like the white. I think the white popped against the the Kelly Green a lot a lot more than the gray. I mean, when you look at the jerseys, like that white on the Kelly Green was sick. But here's the thing, man. It's like they brought back the Kelly Green, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's not a it's not a throwback. It's not a throwback. Like it's now here. It's an it's an alternate. It's part of what they're going to be moving forward. So it does. It doesn't have to look like the Buddy Ryan stuff, right? I thought the sleeves that Sirianni were wearing. I thought that was the most boring, like gray, like generic hospital gray. Like I thought the white looked awesome. I thought the green looked awesome, but the gray just made it look like I don't know. Surely there's got to be somebody who, who agrees with me. I, don't, I, don't I know. loved it. I loved every single second of it. Like they popped on the broadcast. I love how I love how the NBC brought back the old school logo. Um, I just thought it was it was. The logo Great, cool. start to finish. Um, yeah. Well, you get I, the you get the you get the like the motif that goes into the graphic pack. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, yeah that's that what you're saying. Cool. Where they had that that looked really cool, and like yeah. the old school eagle on there, or whatever. Yeah, I thought that was sick. I mean, I thought it was funny, of course, that the defense played great on the night that they were wearing Kelly, yeah. Kelly Green. You know, mm-hmm. the defensive line. Like it's cool to see. I was one of those people originally who didn't give a flying fuck and a half about Kelly Green. It's like I don't know. It was like my buddy Ryan uncle. You know, and they lost a lot of games, but it is cool to see dudes like. Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox wear the same colors and the same uniforms that Reggie wore and that Clyde Simmons wore and that Eric Allen and and Wes Hopkins and all these dudes. I mean, like you talk about like what happened during that era, which was not much, but there are some individual dudes who were Eagles legends. So it was cool to see that, you know, replicated by, by contemporary as a child of the midnight green i was really happy to see it they did a really good job on it and i wouldn't care if they brought it back full-time honestly as like their 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 jerseys for you know every single game i like midnight green midnight green's cool i like the white i like the black i like i'm gonna bring on anthony here too if he wants to join the discussion i would just say the thing is here too i hear people say like well they should make kelly green the permanent or it should be the every day or whatever but you you don't I don't even think that's like a, a discussion because they can wear, they have a lot of options now. You can wear that alternate a couple times a year. You know, you can mm-hmm. wear the all whites if you want. I mean, it's not like Oregon where they can just switch it up every week, but I don't, I don't even think you have to have a, I mean, I guess you have to have a permit just because the the limitations on how many times you can wear them. But I don't, I don't know why it just can't be added to the, to the wardrobe and it's like hey you got choices here now i don't think it's too much i, I think it adds to the nfl man I'm, I'm, i think oregon is like a far out outlier example you don't have to do something fucking crazy every single time but yeah it looks cool when you got different things to go to you can go to kelly green you can go to all white 
wear the blacks. You know, four games in a row, you can wear something different now. My my only complaint on these things, and I like the Kelly Greens. I'm a big fan of them. I think they should be their regular jersey. My only complaint is when teams have alternate jerseys that are not within the color scheme of the of the team. That's where I think you they go too far. Like I'll give you a perfect example. Like the the City Connect in baseball, like the Red Sox have that blue and yellow. Yeah. Like I know that's to honor the Boston Marathon, but it's not the Red Sox colors, right? And you know, there's talk that the Phillies one next year is going to be a very similar combination. And like to me, that doesn't work. So as long as you're staying within the color scheme, then I agree with Kevin. Like have as many options as possible, right? Because yeah, and I think like Oregon does do that too. I mean, yeah. they've got some kind of neon. It's always based off of some kind of green or like a white or a silver. I mean, like Oregon's not coming out wearing like uh, you know. Maroon, maroon or something you know what i mean so yeah within reason but no, i like kelly green i just don't understand the need to like establish a permit i mean they want a super bowl wearing midnight green it, it good retire it um it's done Forever. it just doesn't the, the kelly green looks better it dude, just has, down in the lots man everybody's walking around kelly green it's a kelly yeah. green like parade it's oh dude it just it pops it pops yeah it's a good color yeah um Yes, they man. were. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Down yeah. here at the down here at the ballpark early. Oh, who's uh, down there right now? Uh, well, all the media is pretty much down here at this point. Uh, I think um, Tori Lavolo from the Diamondbacks is talking right now. Yeah. Uh, first Philly is uh, Nick Castellanos at 115. So you don't want to get uh you don't want to get in on Tori's presser. Well, was it my uh, the options I was given was Tori Lavolo or you guys? Dude, you, he's see, not you see where my it. loyalties lie, right? He's not guy who you knows season's over. That's why you don't want to talk to him. You don't need to do the pregame. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote, and you wrote that big long thing for the site that was good on the weekend. Thanks. I, I just thought it was like I I know people felt a certain way about Kimbrel and about Thompson, about Kirkring yeah. or whatever, but I just kept coming back to like uh, it's two two. They still got home field. I, yeah. I I didn't feel any. I, I you know I was annoyed by all that shit. Sure. I, I'm thinking like okay, you can't throw Kimbrel in the next game, but I, I didn't. I wasn't feeling any anything more than that. You know? But you know how Philadelphians are, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's this city is full of fans who they get really excited and really overconfident when things are going great, and the first sign that things are going bad, it's the end of the world. It's you know everybody's falling off a cliff. And it just needed to be reminded that, look, every championship team at some point in their runs to a championship faces adversity. The Phillies' adversity was a 2-2 series with a team that they should have swept. Okay, let's see what happens from there. If they would have came out in game five and looked bad, then I think you could have started to wonder, you know, if the makeup was where what it needs to be. But they came out and shoved in game five, and it wasn't particularly close, at, at, you know, at any point. Um, and you sat there and said – that's what championship teams do. They had a great outing from their from their ace and Wheeler. They had Schwarber and, and Harper continue to hit, you know, tape measure home runs and and just, you know, and Real Muto puts it away. It's just like, yeah, that's the difference between these two teams. Whoa. All right. Sorry, we lost you for a second. He's back though. Um I think that was correct. You lost me? No, yeah, but you came right back. That was pretty good, actually. Yeah, uh, 
thought they might be throttling our wife or the wi-fi down there the- <laughs> yeah. i don't know if we said anything wrong about them that they're like oh shit we can't have these guys on the uh no. on the wi-fi uh, look it's look it's pagan can't have can't can't have him doing talking phillies yeah he's yeah. not cleared uh for security by <laughs> by the phillies cog how are you feeling about game six tonight i'm feeling pretty good but Ann, i wanted to ask you a question get yeah. your professional opinion on this so thompson okay. seems like a guy a manager that's very much like you've said and you've alluded to in some of the stuff you wrote about it's not a guy that's going to make drastic changes nope. based off of one or two games. He's very much like, this is what got us here. This is what we're going to do moving forward because it gives us the best chance to win. It's two to one in the seventh inning tonight. Seven, eight, nine. Who's Thompson going? Let's say Nola pitches six innings. Seven, eight, nine. What, who is he using out of the bullpen? to get through those three innings. And I'm, I'm most particularly interested in who comes out for the ninth inning. Well, so I, I think that it will depend on where they're at in the lineup. They're, they're going to use Alvarado late against the top of the order because you got Corbin Carroll's a lefty and you want Marte to bat right-handed, right? So I think that th- whenever that part of the lineup is coming up late, that's when you're going to see Alvarado, whether it's the seventh, eighth or ninth, whichever inning it is, that's what it's going to be. I think the other guys you're going to, it's going to be Jeff Hoffman. If it's the, if it's a right-handed pocket in the lineup for certain. And if it's one where you might have a mix, it's going to be probably Matt Strom. Um, I would say Dominguez maybe fits into there somewhere a little bit too. I think they have a little bit of confidence in him right now. Um, He has walked a couple guys, but he's also throwing the ball 99 and 100 again and striking guys out. So I think there is some confidence in Dominguez, but I think those are the four main guys late in the game that, that you'll see the Phillies go to, depending on the ma- He's going to match it up, right? So whoever, whoever the, the, wherever they're at in the Diamondbacks lineup, that's who you're going to see. Let me there's ask you. One big, there's one big name you're not mentioning in those pitchers. Is, is, is Kimbrell, is his confidence in Kimbrell, gone or is it more that he sees that he's going his arm is dead whatever he's going through what's going on there i believe you will see craig kimbrell again at some point in the playoffs it probably won't be tonight um unless it's a lower leverage kind of situation big lead or big behind kind of thing um but i do think that you're if you're looking at getting through this series and a world series against either Texas or Houston. And you've already established that you have no confidence at all in either using Taiwan Walker or Michael Lorenzen, thus shortening your bullpen basically, or your pitching staff to 11 pitchers. If all of a sudden you no longer have confidence in Craig Kimbrell either, then you're narrowing it even further to 10. And in that 10 is a, is a rookie who has struggled as well. And Orion Kirkering, you're really starting to limit that bullpen Granted, they could make a change for the World Series and, and go to one of the guys who's been in the stay ready camp, like uh, Andrew Bellotti or, you know, uh, even Connor Brogdon, who we haven't seen forever. So maybe one of those guys can come back in in place of. But I, I don't think that they would do that. I think Craig Kimbrell will see an opportunity again. I just don't think it'll be tonight. What is the deal with Taiwan Walker and Michael Lorenzen? 
Well, Lorenzen really kind of hit a wall. I mean, he's thrown more innings this year than he has ever thrown in his career in one season. And really, after the no-hitter, I mean, absolutely. I don't know why that I, – I saw a blip that time. Uh, blame the Phillies' Wi-Fi. Um, but uh, after the uh, after the no-hitter, he was not good at all. Not one appearance that he, that he had where you went, great. You know, he was great. Um, so I think that's the reason with Lorenz and Walker, it's just dude gives up runs the first inning, two innings he's ever in a game all the time. I mean, every appearance he's, if you take the first inning away, it's like Taiwan Walker's a Cy Young candidate, but that first inning he gets lit up for whatever reason. And so I think that there's a real lack of confidence in him. He's in, uh, only if we need multiple innings, emergency pitcher is basically what he's become. He's replaced Dylan Covey in a lot of ways, like in the in the in the role yeah. right, that you haven't really had to use here in the playoffs. So that's why there's no confidence in those guys. Um, and plus, now that they haven't pitched for uh, almost a month, each of them, I mean, three at least three weeks, you know, almost a month. You're, you're really not going to see them, I think, at any point, unless it's, a, like I said, unless it's an emergency situation. EGM is a good question. What do, what do you think is up with Kirkering's slider? Over usage from the coaches? Just what JT thinks will work? Preference? We lost you on the audio. Sorry, I had a, my, my AirPods just died, so I had to switch off. Switch off. Oh, myself. man, technical difficulties. This is a yeah. live show if I've ever seen one. Well, yeah, right. on here. yeah, I should. Uh, but I, I heard the question. Um, so the, the question about Kirkering slider, It's I think it's more of it's overuse. I think that it's not that it doesn't work. I mean, it, he has to throw that slider for strikes in order for it to be effective. And his fastball, although he throws it hard, doesn't have a lot of movement on it right now. So he doesn't have a lot of confidence in it. So it's more the fastball that's the problem. Because what ends up happening now is, is that major league hitters are seeing him come in and they're like, oh, he's a one-pitch pitcher. Well, we're going to watch, look for that one pitch. And we know what a slide, how a slider breaks. And although it's a really good slider, if that's what we recognize coming out of his hand, if he's not throwing it for strikes, we're just going to sit on it. And we're going to say, all right, then just walk us. Or give us that fastball in the zone that we can drive out of the ballpark. I mean, really, that's what it's become. So it's a matter of him get, having to get the the a better feel on his fastball and more confidence in that. And if he does, and then he becomes a two pitch pitcher, then it's like, okay, now you're now you're making the hitter guess what's coming, and that makes him so much more effective. He's got to throw the slider for strikes, which he was not doing in either game three or game four. Yeah, it's interesting to me, man. I just go back to the same well that I always go to. You know, the more than one thing can be true thing. I don't think yeah. it's Negadelphia. Like we joke about how people go up and down and ride the roller coaster here, but it's it's not it's not um, you know unreasonable to say that you have concerns about those two guys. But that exists over here. I have concerns about Kirkery and Kimbrell. I thought they were going to win the series. I thought that those two there was there was an exercise in mutual exclusivity. You know. So then the question yeah. becomes, hey, like, okay, well, then what the, when we put the roster together for the World Series, now what? You know? But again, I think it's like, if Kirkering's not on it, then who? You know, I mean, it's a question we ask about everything. It's like, if you don't want this, then who's your answer? Like, okay, you're going to fire the, the coach. Who's your replacement? Yeah. You know what I, I'm saying? I want to piggyback off that. And if he's not going to use Lorenzen and he's not going to use Taiwan Walker, 
could we see Reese Hoskins on the World Series roster? It's just well, I, like think, I, think, I, think, I think that's going to happen. I think he was really close to being on the roster for the NLCS mm-hmm. um, and was just not was almost not there. Uh, just not there, I guess is the best way to say Will he play but, or is this kind of like a pick-me-up for the guys? Well, I think it's kind of both, right? I mean, it, yeah, it, I think it's it's obviously you get Hoskins in uniform and that's there's an emotional lift just off the mm-hmm. fact that he's there. Um, but I do think that there's a benefit to him. And the benefit is, is that he's better. He's a better pinch hitter off the bench than anybody else that they have. So you get into a matchup that you don't like with pitcher versus hitter in the world, in the world series. Well, okay. We could trot Reese Hoskins out there to bat for him. And that's what's going to, and that's what he's going to do. I mean, there's only a couple of guys you're going to bat for in the game anyway, right? It's really the bottom of the lineup. It's, you know, Marsh against a lefty or Rojas if you're losing. So, you know, you bring him off the bench in a pinch hitting, pinch hitting spot, see if he can drive the ball for you. And then you even probably, you probably pinch run for him if he gets on base in all honesty. Um, and then you got, you replace one of those guys with either Pache or, or, or cave off the bench. So, yeah. Reese hits a, a homer, a big time homer in the World Series. What's that contract like next year? It's not even that. It's I mean, it's it's he's not getting a huge contract. He's going to get a one year deal, prove it deal wherever he goes, whether it's the Phillies okay. or elsewhere. Does it um, add on to about five million, maybe ten million more? I don't think so. I think what it does is it just goes down in in lore, right? As it's the Willis Reed moment for the Phillies, right? It's sure. it's that's Forgive what it becomes, you. right? I mean, I you know. Here comes Reese, and oh my God, everybody goes nuts, and then he gets the home run. It's a storybook, right? I mean, that's what it becomes yeah. uh, more than anything else. I, I think there's a chance that he's here next year, regardless if he plays in the World Series, regardless if he goes 0 for 4, or if he goes 4 for 4 with four home runs. Like, I mean, I, I, I think there's a chance that he's back um, on a one year deal. So, how, how would that work, Anthony? Like, in terms of because you figure, like, hey, look, what they're throwing out there right now is probably their best defensive setup. Mm-hmm. If you bring Hoskins in, is, is he going to play first base? Are you going to move Harper back to the outfield? Are you going to, you know, where does Castellanos go? Where does Mar, you know, Rojas, how does that all work out? Yeah. Well, I think that that's a great question, Cog. I think what ends up happening is, is that somebody gets moved from the outfield. Um, and I would think that the, the real possibility is, Rojas has to go back down to the minors again because he's, let's be honest, he's not ready to hit at this level. As great a defensive outfielder as he is, he's just not hitting. Um, and you're seeing that now as he's becoming exposed here in the playoffs. Yes, he hit 300 in the regular season, but he, he didn't make hard contact at all. Like if you look at his his contact rates and contact numbers, they're bottom of the league percentages. Um, so you're seeing that in the playoffs. So maybe that, or maybe... I think there's a lot that's going to be tied into Nola. Like, is Nola back next year? If he's not and they need another pitcher, you're probably going to have to trade for one because the free agent market sucks for for starting pitchers. So if you're trading for one, well, what are you trading? Maybe you trade a Rojas. Maybe you trade a Marsh. Maybe you – Estianos? Well, I don't know if you go that far. I don't know if you go that far. I think that I think that you're – you look at it and say maybe Harper goes to left and you leave Castianos is where he's at and – you know, you figure out center field, whether it's Marsh that stays or Rojas that stays. Um, and, and then you and then you add, and you add a pitcher, but then you can go back to for, uh, Hoskins at first base. I mean, really makes the lineup like 
Someone check on Tim Riley. If, like, uh, yeah, he's just going back to first base. Well, and that's but you know what? And, and people are going to complain if that happens. He'll make some errors. He'll have a cold streak, and everybody will go nuts. But in the end, when you look at what he does productivity-wise, I mean, prior to getting injured, he was amongst the top ten first basemen in baseball productivity-wise. I mean. It's hard to argue with that when you're a guy who's ranking in seventh or eighth in the league in OPS and and home runs and RBIs. Like, I mean, he's there. I, you know, I have a hard time criticizing that when you look at what else is. We, you got to put it into the context of what else is in the league, right? Of course, you want him to be better. You watch him every day, 162 games, and you're like, oh man, I wish this guy was better. Okay, fine, but how many more guys out there that play that position are actually better? It's not as many, How many as you years think. as Jamie Hoskins bought you in her lifetime, man. <laughs> I, you, think, uh, I think you and her need to get together with her buying the beers and you throwing out the hot dogs to everybody. I yeah, you throwing the hot dogs. Yeah. I think you two would make a great combination. I don't you know, think we uh, see out of I mean her. I don't think we know. <laughs> I think it's um, you know what's funny about this. So there's no like real history between the Phillies and Diamondbacks. There's no like storylines or whatever. I mean, like the Braves series, yeah, there's a lot of juice for it as division rivals and the whole attaboy. Harper and all that shit, right? I mean, this this series has had two of the lamest bulletin board postings that I can ever remember. Number one, the Merrill Kelly thing, which, of course, we're going to have fun with it because we're a pithy blog, right? It's like right up our alley. But he wasn't even really saying anything negative about no. Philadelphia when he talked about the crowd atmosphere. is rather innocuous. Same thing with the Garrett Stubbs pool yeah. quote, where it's not where it's like, he was asked, I guess, I'm paraphrasing here, like, you know, if you if you guys win, you're going to jump in the pool. Yeah, sure. It's not like he said, like, I'm going to we're going to sweep the Diamondbacks and then we're going to take their wives up to the pool. And then I'm going to take a huge dump in the pool. Like it was it was such a nothing statement. But again, Tori Lovello is like, well, you know, they were motivated by it. Yeah. it would, like, it would take- need to be motivated for the NLCS, like then like. I don't understand. That's like, right. they, what they could have used more as motivation, in all honesty, was the the video of Stubbs in the uh, locker room after the um, say, say hello to it. You guys are cool. You no worries. You don't have to be shush. Uh, but uh, uh, th- when he was after the game and he was singing and he was mm. you know effing the Braves and whoever we play next, he didn't even mention the Diamondbacks. Yeah. They knew it was going to be the Diamondbacks. <laughs> like, like, whoever we play next, right? I mean, like, if you're going to get fired up, like, he doesn't even know that your guys are there. Like, it's, you know. Yeah. Oh, and the Mets, too. Those guys, too. They suck, yeah. too. Right? Yeah, I just looked at it like, if you if you loved it when he said it, you can't then go back being like, well, maybe the backup catcher shouldn't have said it. Because I loved it when he said it, and I still love it. It would have been amazing. It would have been like a top five moment of the postseason for the yeah. Phil if he would have jumped, he would have scaled the wall and jumped in the pool. This young, this this, this pragmatic, kind of younger, different feeling Phillies crowd, like the standing ovation kind of people, I give them credit for being a little bit more human and personable. But there's also a side of it where it's like, if you want to respect the Diamondbacks, respect them. If you want to not take anybody lightly, don't take anybody lightly, of course. But like, don't be a pussy, right? I I think like some people get so like like wishy washy about that kind of stuff. It's like, well, you know, you're giving them material. Like it's not it's not over. And so it's like, well, no shit, right? But this Phillies team is better than the Diamondbacks. They've been better than them. They showed that they were better than them in three games so far, and now they get to close it out at home. So that's fine. I just it bothers me a little bit because people come back to us and they're like, don't jinx it or don't say this or don't say that. It's like. Just have some like confidence here. Like call call it call a spade a spade, right? I mean, it doesn't mean that you're like a 
you're an a-hole or something because of it. It's just like, like confidence is one thing. You can be assertive. Like, you know, don't say anything like really stupid, but like, let's, let's be honest. Like the Phillies are the better team. Everybody knew that coming in here. And if they, if they somehow lose these next two games, it'll be worse than be one of the biggest collapses in Philadelphia sports history. Like the Sixers and Hawks a couple years ago, but 40 times worse, probably. Probably. Yeah. We actually believe in this team. Uh, And who do you want to play in the world series? I don't think it matters. I mean, I, I, I've been on record saying that whoever won the Phillies Brave series was going to win the World Series, and it doesn't make a difference to me. I think not even with home, not even with home field at play. Well, I, I, look, Texas. I, I don't like Texas's pitching a little bit. I know Evaldi's pitched well in the playoffs, and Montgomery's been okay, um, but their bullpen is god awful. Like, so if you're the Phillies lineup and you get those, and you the way they work pitchers and force them to throw a lot of pitches. You get into the bullpen in the fifth or sixth inning against Texas, you're gonna you're gonna smoke them. You're gonna absolutely smoke them. Um, they have a better they have a better lineup than Houston. Houston's got a better bullpen, um, but their starting pitching has been not great. Other than Javier, he's been pretty good. But other than that, uh, Valdez has not looked good, and Verlander's been just okay, like kind of mediocre as he's as he's been usually in the playoffs. And their lineup is just missing something this year. It's just not the same. They don't win at home at all. They they finished under 500 at home in the regular season, the Astros, which is unbelievable. Um, so like, I, no, neither team is. I don't think either team is as complete as the Phillies are, in all honesty. And so that's why I think that it doesn't make a difference to the. Of course, it would be better if it was the Astros because then you get home field advantage, and if, you know, there's a chance to cl- clinch the World Series at home, right? Likely if it goes six games or seven games. Um, so, yeah, you'd prefer that, I guess, if you're looking for one that's you'd rather have a scenario of. And the way things have gone with the whole celebration of, of the Philadelphia fan this year on a national level and what Citizens Bank Park is, and it's such a big story, it'd probably be better if it ended here uh, in that regard. So maybe I'd say Houston just for that reason alone, but I don't think it matters. And are you in the kitchen right now? I feels like it, right? No, that there's a no. You guys are good. It's all good. You're great. Don't, it's a, yeah, those so women this, better never apologize to you. They're the ones who do the dollar dogs. They are heroes. It's no, no, I'm not saying that. It, just, it looks like there's a refrigerator. No, no, she's they're the press club. This is the press. Oh, the, the press the, club. The, yeah, this is the press club. Uh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised Frankie hasn't come in to yell at you, yet, Kyle. He asks about you all the time. You know? Yeah, Frankie Two Scoops. He's Frankie probably gonna, he's, asks about you all the time. He probably has yeah. a murderer's <laughs> row lineup going tonight. Yeah, no, I'm in the. Uh, this is an old media workroom. It's just off, um, uh, just off of the press box, and I figure it can because you're not allowed to actually baseball rules. You're not allowed to do a broadcast from the press box. So I come into this room whenever I got it when I'm down here. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Weren't you just on from the press box last week? Yes, but there was nobody here at that time. <laughs> the yes. bad boy of sports yeah. journalism. Well, was like, I, but if, there was, if there were no other right, like I was early that day. It was an eight mm-hmm. o'clock game and I was down here early. So because of that, I did it from the press box. Um, but if there's people in there working, I'm going to I got to move into another room. Right. The sanctuary. Yeah. Let's just clear up some fake news here. I have nothing but respect for the kitchen staff. I'm not against the kitchen staff. I respect all the workers in the stadium. There's no, there's, there's no take. I just like can't let like Ford. A, you let Ford get an inch, he'll take a mile. All right. He Ford's got you got my... Bob last week. Like yeah. you got you got to let Ford just let him let him go off in the chat. That's his thing. Ford rattled Bob. I think worse than than uh, Joey Bosa when he was here at the NFC Championship game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he was just totally 
totally cooked. Hey, I want to get are, uh, got it. All right, just want to make sure she got it. There are some. There's some pretty good. Uh, can we get a Can we get a prediction yeah. from the woman in the kitchen staff for tonight? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You got a final score. Seven three. Seven oh. to three is the final. That's the score. over. That's it. It's going over. Yeah, seven. I like three. that. <laughs> no, but but you don't need to know about it. Okay. We just we can add seven plus three seven is ten. That's over. Yes. Okay. I love that. That's hey. the over. Yeah. Um, okay. Real quick. Did, are we done? Yeah. Sounds good. Does anybody want to make a final Phillies point? I have one more topic that I want to throw at everybody. I want to ask Ant. I mean, there's some pretty sweet looking snacks behind you there. Give, give me your rundown tonight. You're in the box. You're watching the Phils game six NLCS. Yeah. What do you snack? The, the people want to know, Ant. What are you snacking on? Well, so t- I, I normally would. I'll give you what I would normally snack on. But I cannot. I'm, I'm in the middle of this diet, right? I'm down 55 pounds now. Hey, congratulations! Yeah, yeah, I can't be really, really snacking. But in all honesty, <laughs> you got to go to Frankie, Frankie Two Scoops, and get the ice cream. I mean, that's the that's the gimme. And then the thing of it is, is that and this is you know, having been down here now, I think this is going to be my 70th game this year, which is wow, absolutely insane. As many I've been down here to this year, um, it's got. I've gotten to the relationship with Frankie now where. I go, uh, he sees me and he's like, what do you want? Because the ice cream runs out, right? People go nuts for the ice cream and he'll, I'll give him what I, give him what I want. And he puts it aside. Like, so he'll have it ready to go. So that when I, if I do get ice cream, it'll come back, you know, I would come back in like the second inning or third inning, whatever. He'd already have it scooped out for me. Just reach into the freezer, pull it out. And there it is. Because if you wait, the good flavors are going to go and you're going to be stuck with like vanilla or like the cherry water ice, which is like whatever. Is there anybody you don't have to name names, but is there anybody who does like the big J thing and refuses to eat the free ice cream from the team? No, as a matter of fact, the the people down here get a little bit ridiculous in my estimation. (laughs) I think that they, you know, you go out to your seat and there are people with like tons of shit on their, you know, with food who's got a pretzel and who's got chips, who's got like four fruits. Like they have these little fruit cups. They like take four of them out there to eat during the game. I think some people take stuff home in all honesty. Like, I mean, this is. (laughs) nobody's nobody's afraid to take the food they just take too much of it in my estimation it's a barn in the phillies press box and it's too scared to be doing interviews from there i love it i think sports writers by the way are some of the hungriest people on the planet i've been the hungriest man in the in the history of the earth do you you guys do you any of you remember and coggin you might be the only one kevin maybe i guarantee you pagan doesn't remember do you remember the crab fry report that eskin used to do no the Chicky no. and Pete's Crab Fry Report on yeah. WIP. <laughs> yeah. So it used to be, it used to be that there was at the Andy Reid press conference used to be held at Chickies and Pete's. Yes. And so the Chickies and Pete's used to put out food for the media, and so Eskin would take note of who's eating what and how much they're eating, yes. and then would call people out by name on the air for all the food they're eating. And the all timer was this guy named John Marks, not the one that's on WIP now. It's another guy. Yeah, freelancer, John Marks, freelancer, freelance reporter. Yeah. He used to carry a suitcase and opened up his suitcase one day, opened the suitcase and put an entire um, chicken sandwich in the suitcase, an order of crab fries, closed the suitcase, put another order of crab fries on top and carried it out on his palms like this to his car. 
was yeah. the all-timer. He lost his mind on Eskin for, for reporting that on the air. Yeah. It was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was like that all the time. It was how the Philadelphia media is, a bunch of freeloaders. Yeah, I mean, there's a recent episode, too, where I think Eskin, they were in the, the auditorium at the Eagles. When you go to the Eagles press conferences, it's like they sit in like a – yeah, it's an auditorium. There's a bunch of seats, yeah. and they, I guess they watch film in there or some shit, but – um, I guess like Jimmy Kemsky spotted Eskin leaving his like guys chewing gum on the floor or, or something. Yeah. Uh, there was a flap about food. There's a lot of been a lot of random flaps uh, oh. when it comes to food and, and, and media. And I was at the union media game two weeks ago. I didn't have any extra hands. They had a nice spread for everybody. I put a soft pretzel in my, my uh, like bag in, in my like, uh, athletic bag and i just folded it over there and then ate the ate the the, pretzel and the, the john marks of uh crossing broad over here leave him with food yeah leave i didn't have a whole like rotisserie chicken in my thing or whatever <laughs> oh yeah here it was yeah food and drink wars right Which, yeah. what, what happened again here craig i don't remember any of this shit Man, i don't i don't remember the crab fries report but i do remember his uh immortal uh broadcast from ribbit in cherry hill in the early oh. 90s he'd always do yeah. a show in ribbit like every like every couple weeks It'd be classic were you there when the guy did you know this remember the story about the guy jumping over the table attacking him that's one of my favorite my brothers and i reference <laughs> that story like at least once a month it's the best getting beaten up at a ribbit getting beaten up at a ribbit is no, nothing worse than that <laughs> relax okay. relax we used to play that audio when i worked at wip we used to play it just for fun just to hear it <laughs> He's yelling, he's yelling at the guy, relax, relax. Okay. And the guy's like swinging at him and cursing at him. It's awesome. So Howard narked on, so the cliff notes of that story is that Howard narked on somebody for leaving a coffee in the auditorium. And then Kemsky took a picture of him chewing. And then uh, Eskin said that he was chewing gum. He said, quote, wrong again, but typical for you. I know you want me to respond, so I'll throw you a bone. I was not eating. I was chewing gum. Never have I eaten in the Eagles auditorium. You live on reporting fake news. Maybe I can help you with your clicks. You live on clickbait. I so that was a. Uh, this is coming off a Super Bowl season. <laughs> this is what <laughs> is going on right now. Yeah, and then Kemsky said it's a tweet dipshit. What's there to click on? <laughs> so, yeah. And those things escalate quick. I remember Jimmy was in a flap with Miss Anelli over like the bathroom attendant or some point. I think Jimmy. Oh said, my God. Jimmy said, "What's the point of the bath the person handing your towels and stuff in the bathroom?" And then Miss Anelli, I think defended the honor of the bathroom <laughs> attendant as like a low-income worker or something Thank like that. It got really like weirdly political. Quickly. <laughs> Thank <laughs> God. So he's out there defending the bathroom attendant. Yeah. Yeah. Kev, did you say you had one more point before we wrap up? Yeah, I do have one more point. Um, Pagan, you were having a field day with the Penn State game. On <laughs> I was wondering if I was going to have to pull you back because I'm like, oh, okay, we do have Penn State readers here. Let's. Um... <laughs> yeah, we do. And I and I got all of them to come after me on uh, on Saturday. It's 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 amazing. It is so awesome to watch big game James in another big game. Third and five handoffs in the red zone makes Brian Johnson blush. Um, it it was at, it was Temple's biggest win of the year, honestly. Yeah. So yeah. it was. I mean, we just lost fifty five nothing to SMU, but who cares? You know, we're, we. I at least know my identity as a Temple fan in college football. I know we're a stepping stone program. I know we're obviously a basketball school, but you could. 
you could argue that Penn State is a basketball school because they do this every single year, and the basketball team has had more success than they have had in the last well, I, I five would, years. I would, well, I wouldn't go that far, but I do think it's funny how James Franklin, who does the Joe Judge thing, where he talks down to you like you're a fucking idiot. Well, college football coaches do this more than anybody. It's like yeah. they talk to like people who they think everybody is like their player. You know, mm-hmm. and teachers in a way. I love teachers, and I respect teachers, especially my mom and my mother-in-law, who are both teachers. But sometimes they talk to other people like they think they're, they're, they're students. Like, okay, there's a difference here. James Franklin talks to everybody like he's their player. He talks to the media like it's a player. So when he told that kid a couple of weeks ago, like when he was like basically laughing at his question about throwing the ball down the field, they could have used some downfield pass. Against <laughs> Do you think? So, like I said, it's not crazy. If I was that kid, I would be like posting that over and over and over again. 100 percent i mean drew aller can't throw it downfield more than 10 yards ohio state was begging him what was it it was like 14 for 40 or so 16 for 40 i mean that was the heisman candidate like the dark horse heisman before, candidate. before yeah i mean before the last drive that I mean, it was looks terrible sick. they're wasting a historical defense like it was the best to watch big game james just once again eight years eight years uh penn state eight yeah, years and then, now they want to put 700 million into the uh into the um, stadium to make them an elite team. Like that's what they want. That's what they're doing. They're trying to get back into the elite tier. Hey, how about you just beat Michigan or Ohio state? And then maybe the media will respect you. Not you know, all, all, million in your, your there's state. no reason. I, whatever, however you feel about Penn state, whether you're a Penn state person who reads the site or you're not a Penn state person, I think we can all probably agree that this team with the recruiting that they have and the facilities that they have and the statute that they have, they should be a pl- they should be a contender for the, for the college football playoff. They like okay, they win some BCS bowl. I still call them BCS bowl games. They still win some of those games. It's great. Those are they're having great seasons. They they should be. I mean, their ceiling should be higher than that. Dude, he's no, getting paid ten million dollars a year. He's getting paid more than Jim Harbaugh, who's been to the playoff. He's getting paid more than Luke Fickle, who's been to the playoff. Everyone wants to go Temple, Temple, Temple. Same number of college football playoff appearances. <laughs> like you don't go to Penn State to play on New Year's Day in the Rose Bowl. You don't. I, I mean, those are still. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm never like the Rose Bowl is still the Rose Bowl. I mean, going like ten and two and winning the Rose Bowl is an amazing <laughs> season. But but Penn State's been there, done that. So yeah. what? So what is the next level? It's an amazing the next level. level. So the, the next level. The next level is very easy for them. It's because they're going to expand the football playoff, and yeah. then they're then you get into the situation where they're probably in that next tier mm-hmm. where they can make the playoff and they'll get in and they'll compete and they'll have a chance, but they're still going to run into the, the Ohio States and the Michigans and, and whatever SEC team would murder them. And, and that's really what it's going to ultimately be. I don't see Penn state getting back to the prominence of a national championship, at least not under James Franklin. No, I mean, I mean, historic defense, probably the best running back arguably in the country, a Heisman hopeful. And it's just like, I, I've never seen a worse offensive performance in a big game than I've seen uh, Drew Aller and those guys. It was – I was laughing on my couch out loud. Yeah. Big game, James. Oh, God. And well, you know what? You. Screw Penn State. I know we they read – fuck Penn State. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> fuck all right, let's – okay, let's let, – okay. We also <laughs> respect all of our Penn State readers. I don't know how many Penn State readers we have or don't have. I have no data on that. <laughs> People have tweeted us, why don't you guys do more Penn State stuff? I did some Penn State stuff. There you go. <laughs> I We could probably – I mean, they've got – you know, the Inquirer still sending people up there, right, Ant? I, I believe mean, so. Yeah. They, I mean, Penn State's big. I don't, like, 
I don't think that I, somebody was arguing in like the crossing broad comments of whether Philly is a Penn State um, city. No, it's not a Penn State city, but there are a shit ton of alumni here. So I'm I'm just looking out for the for our best no. interests here. Yeah. Sold out, sold out the uh, Palestra for basketball. Maybe Penn State is a Philly school. Well, congratulations to you and Temple on your big Ohio State victory. Thank you. The other weekend, yeah. Thank you. Chavez Freude at its finest, right there. Yeah. You shut up over there. I did like the fifty-five to nothing, right? I yeah, it was pretty good. As, as soon as Pagan took a huge shit on Ohio State, Temple lost fifty-five <laughs> to nothing at home. So that was honestly them like them like getting rid of the football program would probably benefit the basketball team the most. So like. And we wouldn't be wasting $2 million a game playing in the link with 10,000 people showing up. So, oops. They get 10,000? That's the, uh, you're, the ticket you're, sale. You're being generous. <laughs> yeah. Being generous. Yeah. All right. So, well, there's your temple minute on the program. And 7-3 tonight? That's what she said, right? I mean, we got to go with it. Yeah. Got to go with it. Now, I think it's gonna, I actually think it's going to be a low-scoring game, to be honest with you. If I have to pick a final score, I'm going to go uh, – 4-1 fills, um, and uh, yeah, we'll be uh, getting soaking wet in the, in the clubhouse again. Although this time they let us out onto the field, I think. We yeah. did, last year we were able to go out onto the field, actually go out onto the field uh, and get some video, Bob and I. So we'll probably be able to send send some video in. And, and uh, yeah. I need you to go toe-to-toe with Castellanos. I need it. Yeah. <laughs> I need a, I need you one on one with Castellanos, and also NBC Sports Philly got a bunch of amazing free publicity for John Clark sitting behind Kevin Durant and Devin. Is that Booker. unbelievable? Can we get you behind Joel Embiid or Jason Kelsey or something like that? Can you please help the site? Can you can you can you look for him? Hey, I was in I was in a viral video with Castellanos already. You, you were in a viral video. It wasn't good pub for crossing broad. It was. <laughs> There was one that used to be. There was a picture behind Kelly Oubre and Mo Bamba. That's the best we can do. That's right. Yeah. Well, nobody would show up behind Mo Bamba. You know, Uh, there was one of there was one of me like right behind Ali LaForce a couple years ago because they had me in the seat in the Sixers games where you were right behind the national like broadcast or whatever. So my dumb ass would be in like every shot, and I was never paying attention. I always had like my head down or whatever. But dude, I'd be I'd be terrified that like I like was like going for my nose or something like that and like picking my nose or like yeah like oh do i have anything in my face didn't didn't you find a a photo of me with my eyes closed at a sixers game or something it could have been i could have been like yeah oh damn it and sleeping again (laughs) i think you found a photo of me with my eyes closed at the sixers game is that hockey account still still going there like the scrum lurkers of no they well they stopped doing it because of covid i'm one but i'm wondering if they're going to start now that now this is the first year i believe full season last year they had it uh, some of the Canadian cities still had some stuff early in the year where they didn't let people in. But this is the first full year that you can go into any uh, locker room again. I wonder if Scrum Workers comes back for the first time. Well, hopefully the Phils wrap this up soon because the Flyers are looking pretty good and we got to get Anthony. Um, oh, man. Uh, I can't believe it. They're yeah. Playoffs. Playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Get ready. We got to get our boy Desnoyer up there, Ant. Come on. Yeah, Elliot Desnoyer. He'll, he'll yeah. be back. He'll be back at some point. The great Philadelphia Soon as gets hurt. Hey, thanks, guys. I really appreciate you coming on, Cog. Ant, Kevin, as always, Craig, on the ones and twos behind the scenes. We will talk to you on... There it is. The Eye of Desai.
Yeah, there we go. That's our new right wing uh, conspiracy slogan, and yeah. it's got to replace like Hugh Gannon. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars for this is that's a lot. Yeah. Why we, we go, Craig. Craig? Yeah, that's why he. That's why it took him so long to find the Marcus Mariota interview. He was too busy doing this uh, <laughs> that we never referenced. By the, the way, the Illuminati. He was doing the Eye of Desai. Yeah, right. right. It's a work on my suggestion next, Craig. <laughs> no, not see you oh, next man. week. Hey, thanks for everybody for listening. Go Phils. We'll talk to you on uh, on Wednesday. See ya. See you boys.